Today on The Topping Show, Lulu Mom CEO fires employees for trying to stop theft. What is a woman hits 179 million views? 200 LGBT groups threaten target. Reddit layoffs begin. Subway is struggling. Most companies are moving away from the offices. Golf juggernauts PGA and LIV live to merge. Mike Pence to run for president. Nancy Pelosi throws a baseball. And Boeing has yet another defect that's causing more delays in production. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you for taking the time to do it in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see the founder released twice today. Guy says he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me. That, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, use a little assistance. You can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Golf Juggernauts, PGA and LIV, also maybe known as Live, to merge in a tentative deal. These are perhaps the, or not even perhaps, these are the two largest golf organizations on the planet. Make people comparing this merger to, I guess the only possible equivalency would be the NFL versus the AFL, which National Football League is what everyone knows. AFL tried to compete and failed subsequently, partially because of broadcasting rights and having to compete with the NFL for time slots on cable networks back before you had the proliferation of all these different options for media distribution. Now, PGA is technically a 501c6 nonprofit organization. Now, PGA and LIV are going to merge into a single for-profit company. Time shall tell to see if they keep the original PGA headquarters. Well, I say original. They moved to Frisco, Texas a couple years back. That's the current headquarters for the PGA. Time shall tell to see if this is actually approved. Many people are wondering if the DOJ or antitrust are going to be brought up, or rather anti-competitive monopoly. Now, the PGA has been subject of antitrust investigation by the DOJ. They actually interviewed with Phil Mickelson, which is the only one I know because he wears hats and he's in commercials. But they also interviewed Bryson DeChambeau and Sergio Garcia. Now, there were rumors and perhaps some anti-competitive concerns where some of the players were apparently locked in where they could only do competitions hosted by the PGA and they wanted to go compete for the live events or the LIV, whatever they like to call themselves. Some of the people are also bringing up the fact that, well, LIV, LIV receives funding from countries like Saudi Arabia and they've been criticized in the past. So now even the CEO, apparently of some of these companies like LIV, he heard about it through a tweet or no, that was rather the players. So Breaking news for a lot of the folks, especially in that industry, Tai shall tell us if it's a successful merger and what it will do for the sport. Now, other interesting business use, you have about half of major global companies decreasing their office space. Yet another reason I'm glad I never invested in corporate real estate, which for most of my lifetime would have been a sure bet, so to say, depending on geography. But then COVID hit and businesses quickly realized not only can we make a profit, Many of our employees are just as effective working from home versus working from an office where in the office they have to pay for a myriad of expenses. Not the not just the actual rent, but you have to think of all the secondary and ancillary costs. You have internet, water, heating, cooling, safety, you have to have janitorial services. There's a lot of things that go in to actually keep a brick and mortar or a headquarters afloat. A lot of businesses are wondering why. And for certain use cases, it may or may not make sense for them to get rid of it completely or just decrease footprint. So this is a survey performed by a 
real estate company known as Knight Frank, which is a UK-based real estate firm majoring in business real estate. And they noted that in a survey with employees, or rather with businesses with above 50,000 employees, they found that they estimate that they're gonna cut their footprint for corporate real estate between 10 and 20%, which if you're a corporate real estate sales rep, probably scares the absolute hell of you, as it probably should, since that's gonna make a big difference, especially in the aggregate, as all your clients might be doing that as well. So it's not too surprising to see this news, but it'll be interesting to see long-term implications if the pendulum does swing back and people actually wanna to go to the office. I would say outlook not good for corporate real estate, personally. Other interesting business news, you have Subway franchises continuing to struggle and trying to find new owners. They're attempting to revamp the brand. They actually attempted to sell out, I believe about three or four months ago to try to find a buyer. And there's, it's, they're being hit on all fronts. So the two biggest issues is diminishing profits and well, as well as the high possibility of expensive renovations. Now, traditionally Subway grew faster than McDonald's when they had their Freakonomics moment, which is a phenomenon in business where all of a sudden your just sales just go through the roof. And there was a time where they actually expanding faster than McDonald's and had more locations than McDonald's. McDonald's basically being the forefront and the most successful franchise model in history. Granted, I know White Castle was technically the first, many would say. Now, Subway is actually taking this data and they're deciding to go away from mom and pop investors and franchisees to multi-unit operators, which is a little disconcerting, a little disappointing for a lot of people trying to pursue the American dream where they really do believe in the franchise model where it used to be back in the day. I mean, McDonald's, McDonald's was built by mom and pops, literally couples investing in a McDonald's franchise. They'd be able to build a business, provide for themselves, their family, the community. Now, the issue with Subway is if you have very much diminishing profits, the only way you could possibly sustain the business even and even yet hope for growth is with massive volume. So if you just have one store, that might not be profitable. You might have to have five or six or 10 stores to get the volume up where, okay, you're making maybe 35 cents per sandwich, again, made up numbers, but 35 cents, if you only sell 100 sandwiches, well, that's relatively nothing compared to what the business needs to actually grow. But if you have 10 stores or 100 stores, those add up exponentially in the aggregate. So Subway as a business is are trying to cater more towards these businesses that are holding companies where they own many franchise restaurant locations. Now, the industry experts also say that they estimate the average sales volume for a single Subway restaurant store was a little less than half a million dollars. Revenue, very important point, which is well below the, below the industry standard. And owning a business, again, every business is different and unique, but when traditionally talking about groceries, foods, and restaurant chains, 500K in revenue is nothing. Don't get me wrong, it's a huge achievement as a business to hit revenue marks, but given that those industries have lesser or smaller on average profit margins, that might be barely enough to keep the lights on, yet alone drive, yet alone drive expansion. So it's gonna be a really big issue because the renovations they need to bring the stores up to date and give it a nice facelift, which many restaurants have done throughout their histories, and it does on average increase sales, improves customer experience. But none of those franchisees are gonna vote and actually want to do that if it's gonna put them in a hole, negatively speaking, 
and they're just going to have to climb up through out of that pit slowly because of small margins. So they probably, granted, they probably need to think of a new product or a new shtick in order and actually to for them to actually generate greater profits so they can drive expansion, they can actually drive more people to want to invest in that franchisee, in that franchise business model. Because there's, there's hundreds of thousands of different franchises that every American actually, you can invest in, you can buy, but why choose them if you're not gonna make a lot of money per unit? And you, by the way, there might be, in addition to the upfront huge cost, that which pays for everything from the actual machinery, the real estate, all that stuff goes into it. You might have to actually do a, it's a very problematic situation. So hopefully they'll be able to figure things out and those people will be able to profit and grow for, provide for themselves and their families in the community. Now, last interesting business news, you have Reddit announcing more layoffs. So the company is laying off about 90%, or not 90%, that'd be astronomically concerning. They're laying off about 90 employees and they're gonna be attempting some restructuring. They're also greatly decreasing the rate at which they're bringing new talent onto the company. Not too surprising. There's a lot of rumors that they're going to go for an IPO. They recently announced that they're actually going to start charging businesses for accessing some of their API data. Rudimentally speaking, they're trying to make more profit off the company to make it look like a better financial investment for people who may buy the stock. So does it make sense they're trying to decrease costs as well as increase their money coming in. Time shall tell to see if they're successful. There's been a lot of slowdown for initial public offerings or IPOs in order to be publicly traded stock company since the COVID. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe they'll turn that trend around. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have the CEO of Luluman firing employees for stopping theft or attempting to stop theft. Now, Luluman is a Canadian-based apparel company founded in 1998. I didn't realize they've been along that wrong. Most people know them for the women's yoga pants and the yoga. They had that really, really terrible, terrible concerning issue where the pants were too transparent if you stretched them. That was a big controversy that they've been known for. Really expensive pants. And their main demographic are women. So that's what they're known for. They've been around forever. They, at the time, were industry leader. It was a newer idea so the free market rewarded them gave them a lot of sales now this issue came to light in may they had a lululemon store in atlanta georgia that was being targeted by three masked robbers who stole all their high-priced athletic gear it is actually estimated that they stole goods worth nearly seven thousand dollars not seventy dollars not seven hundred dollars seven thousand dollars which i know that's only third that's only 13 pairs of pants I kid, kind of. So they're stealing a vast amount of inventory. And these two gals working at the company, or the two employees, they confronted the robbers by verbally altercating them, telling them not to steal stuff. And the, the, the thing that got them fired, they, fired, they followed the perpetrators outside the store so they could take pictures of the license plate and call the authorities and, in my opinion, do the right thing. Now, the CEO, Calvin McDonald, he quoted, he said, quote, we have a zero tolerance policy that we train our educators around the engagement of a theft. Why? Because we put safety of our team, our guests, front and center. It's not only, mer it's only merchandise, unquote. Now, educators is what they call their staff members, which from a marketing perspective, I think that's kind of neat and interesting to be a little bit different. But 
This CEO is giving a big green flag saying, please steal our stuff. We will not prosecute. We will not even fight. Further incentivizing that terrible cultural decay and increase in theft, which is all too rampant throughout the United States, especially in states that actually go ahead and they do not specific, any actually do not prosecute. So these DAs are letting people off the hook, therefore incentivizing more and more and more theft. Keep in mind, this is a record high year for retail theft. Target is estimated to lose $400 million in theft this year. It's only halfway through the year. The projected for the total year might be even more, is, could be more. Walmart's having the same issue. These companies, again, more often than that, they do not prosecute. They, employ, they tell their employees, just let them take it. You're going to get to that pivotal point where more and more people are going to wonder, I'm working 105 hours a week. Well, I guess that's only a couple of people, including myself. But nevertheless, most people are working. They wonder, I'm putting my hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, getting a paycheck. I'm paying for this product. But that guy right next to me, he just stole it and left. That guy's getting a little away with it. Society is saying, that's fine. Which, further enhance. It's disgusting, and it's a shame more companies are taking this stance. I know it's a ripple effect. It's not a singular variable issue. These companies have other incentives to do this. I'm not saying the blame is only on one vector. Now, the CEO, Cal McDonald, further explained, quote, we take that policy seriously, seriously because we've had instances and we have seen with other retailers instances where employees step in and are hurt or worse killed and the policy is to protect them, but we have to stand behind the policy to enforce it, unquote. So they have a policy of punishing people for doing the right thing, partially because insurance companies mandate them. You actually have this interesting phenomenon where I've talked to like a, a shooting range and they have certain procedures or certain actions, such as, you know, drawing from a holster or shooting at a certain rate of speed that you can and cannot do because of their insurance rates. Now, these stores have long had these instances where insurance companies have decided because of the possible litigation, thanks to the U.S. legal system, if something goes wrong, the company can get sued. That has happened and companies have been punished for that and they've reacted by insurance companies and everyone coming together and saying, it's better to lose some money and just let theft increase exponentially than to do the right thing and stop it. Now, he's saying he wants to keep employees safe. This is the antithesis of that. This is going to have the opposite effect. You're inviting more criminals to go into your store and steal more things. And by the way, criminals aren't usually, they usually take things by force. They're not usually coming in and all smiles and saying, oh yeah, miss, I, may I please have, you know, 13 of your Lululemon pants. So it's sad to see as a culture that people are just accepting this more and more. Now, on the bright side, I did a little LinkedIn poll, and I had about 200 people respond to this poll. And I asked, you know, what would, you know, what's the right thing to do here? Where the, was the C, should the CEO have fired this person or these two gals? Out of those 200 votes, five people said that it was the right thing to do to fire those employees. 95% said, no, the CEO should not have fired employees for doing the right thing. So there's a little bit of my faith in humanity restored. Not a bit, but a modicum of faith has been restored. And time shall tell to see how long these stores can continue to shoot themselves in the foot when, again, this is going to, you're incentivizing theft and you're incentivizing violence. You're telling your employees to stand down. That's not the right thing. And also, you're just, again, you're fewer, further fueling bad behavior. Imagine you're telling a bad guy they can steal and they won't fight back. That's your invite. It's, I understand why, fiscally speaking, the insurance companies and all this stuff's doing that, but 
I always like to reference mom and pop gun stores. They have a pretty, pretty close to zero rate of theft. And in the instances where a thief actually goes in, it does not end well for them because they choose to defend themselves. Therefore, driving the message out, you have a negative incentive to try to rob our store. You will not be successful. Perhaps that's why the rate of theft is so minuscule. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have What is a Woman? Documentary by Matt Walsh, who is a commentator at The Daily Wire, one of the largest, fastest-growing conservative media companies headquartered out of Nashville, Tennessee. This is the, or rather June 1st, was the one-year anniversary of their documentary called What is a Woman? where Matt went around the country and even the planet. He went to Africa and he asked people, can they define a woman? Pretty darn entertaining when people can't and they stutter and acquiesce and they just even interviewed a gender studies professor, which... That is a job, and this professor could not. They, the professor who teaches about gender can't actually tell him the definition about it, which blows my mind that these professors are making hundreds of thousands of dollars and have no negative consequences because they have tenure, so they can do whatever they want. So that documentary on Twitter has reached 179 million views. Thanks in part because Elon Musk himself tweeted the direct movie, which was hosted on Twitter. So this big fascinating cultural phenomenon as more and more people are starting to appreciate that content and ask the questions as well as Twitter becoming more and more of a true platform where you actually post full length content on it. And it is fascinating to see how fast they are growing. So at Twitter handled um, the real daily wire, their video or rather the stats on the video, they had 463,000 likes. 171,000 retweets and 130,000 bookmarks. Now, Elon, he pinned it to his profile. His pin, so he tweeted it and they pinned it so it's actually saved at the top if you look at his profile, has 91.6 million views, 509,000 hearts or likes, whatever you want to call it, and 152,000 retweets. So this cultural phenomenon of people questioning bringing that documentary to the light and Twitter hosting full length movies is a huge, fascinating cultural phenomenon. It'll be interesting to see, does it increase or decrease with the new CEO of Twitter being brought on when she has a questionable little past about, well, her whole past is advertising and most times advertisers are gonna acquiesce to businesses that demand certain things and more often than not, they demand censorship, especially people on the right. Traditionally, that's been how my experience my whole life when I look at the situation. So time shall tell us see how it pans out. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have 200 LGBT communities or groups rather, worn at Target. Not one, not three, not 20, 200. I had no idea there's so many groups out there. Now, Target stock is down about $13 billion since they decided to debut their trans clothing for children. Which again, that's the difference between last year and this year. Every year they have had adult pride apparel but the big difference between last year and this year that everyone has noticed is the targeting towards kids moderate pun intended target targeting kids but these names are very convincing and fancy you have the human right campaign glad glensen i think glad is the one where they actually put the books with sexual themed images for people under the sixth grade in the schools uh targets donated a lot of money to them and they demand that Target restock all Pride merchandise, both in the stores and online, to ensure the trust and safety of Target employees. 
and released a statement affirming their commitment to the LGBTQ plus community within 24 hours or else. Now, I don't know if that means they're going to boycott them because, again, just like Bud Light, now you're having people on the left and the right and the center, well, confused and many people boycotting the company again. And I don't think they'll be as successful as a Bud Light boycott since Target, again, no one needs to shop at Target. It's a luxury store. Most people... But the alternatives are a different physical location and breaking it more of a habit as opposed to beer. Beer is right next to each other, inches away in the store fridge section. Now, they further expanded the groups. They said, quote, when it comes to advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion, there is no such thing as neutrality, unquote, said the LGBTQ coalition. So... A lot of these businesses are point blank being asked to take these positions. Target kind of put themselves in that fold. But you're seeing this more and more where if a business just wants to make a thermos, you're having people ask them all these different things. Some of these businesses, especially ones who are religious affiliated or they are faith based, they don't want to have those. They have their beliefs about the bedroom. They have their own ideals and philosophies. They don't necessarily want to take a stand or even take a stand or take a stand in that direction. No matter what they do, sales are going to be increased or decreased. It's going to be affected. And it's fascinating to see from a cultural perspective, people are, I don't know if they're hungry for a new religion or if this is just a new phenomenon where everyone has to have their products stand for something. This thermos just can't be a thermos. It has to stand for a political affiliation, a gender orientation. And our culture becomes more and more focused on that. Personally, I always like to judge a man by his actions more than anything else. That's an angel philosophy older than me and I'm not that original in that thought but it's fascinating to see that people seem ever ever increasing their focus on these types of subject matters and time shall tell to see which way target decides to go given the historical sales and political affiliations of target i would from a business perspective they would probably decide to acquiesce to those 200 groups because they do fund many of these initiatives and their core customer base traditionally were comfortable with that so if I were to guess which way they're going to swing, that would probably be my three cents. Again, two cents, but 40-year hyperinflation, two cents have had to become three. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Nancy Pelosi throwing a baseball, which I was astonished she had that kind of physical strength, personally. I believe she's 89 million years old. Okay, maybe not that bad, but... Again, typical politician, very old in age, and she threw it the first pitch for the LGBTQ Pride event. And she was picked for, quote, her long-standing commitment to fighting for the rights and dignities of the LGBTQ community. Now, from a political perspective, yeah, this was brilliant. I guess I should say it was brilliant because she didn't think of the idea, but her doing it makes 100% political sense given she's her political affiliations, who vote for her makes total sense that she would do this and I'm sure she'll actually get some she'll get some votes and increase in visibility and advertising marketing on her side of political aisle is a strange fascination that main politicians do the baseball throwing perhaps it's just the old-timey America baseball being the staple of the culture of the United States but it is kind of cliche for every politician to throw the first pitch and seem more entertaining when they can barely throw but she expanded about her situation. She said, quote, I'll always be a San Francisco Giants fan, but tonight my pitch was to celebrate the vibrancy 
of our LGBTQ plus communities with the at Team DC, S, DC Sports and at Nationals Happy Pride, unquote. She tweeted after the toss. So actually, from a political perspective, again, good move. She's on Twitter and she actually tweets to her followers or whatever, I don't know what you call it. Yeah, they're followers on the Twitter. But another thing Republicans need to do better is social media. Again, I know they get blacklisted and they get completely censored sometimes. But one of the reasons Democrats historically have done so well is they embrace the internet off the bat. Like if you look at when Republicans started using the internet for advertising and raising funds, it was almost a decade delta between the two. A decade, which is not too surprising when you consider like Fox News is only now getting on YouTube. And for years, they just thought it was a silly trend of never go anywhere, which again, from a business perspective, always be innovating and looking for new ways to get your ideals out there and your products out there. So one would think they would, but I digress. Now, she expanded to say that a portion of the ticket ticket sales will be to donated to the Team DC, an organization that, quote, educates the LGBTQ com- community and the benefits of individual and team sports partnership. So, interestingly enough, she uh, she can throw a baseball, which many people wondered. But, smart for her, she'll probably get some extra political points, and she's certainly going to get some, probably get some extra, extra votes from that. Now, other interesting political news... Mike Pence is running for president, and no one really cares. Now, he's a former vice president who served under Donald Trump. He's known for not much. And I don't say that good or bad, but he had a good debate against Kamala Harris during the primaries back in 2015, I believe, before the, you know, leading up to the election. But he's publicly criticized fellow Republicans, and he's pretending he's running as a Republican. He recently went on CNN to grovel and say how bad Donald Trump was just so he could try to push his book. Another weird thing politicians always do is try to sell books, which I can't help but think is, I don't know how many people actually buy those books or there's a lot of theories about, you know, are they just getting paid on the back door? You know, it's just a reimbursement for them because I I, I look at myself, I bought a couple of political books just so I could learn a little bit more about some candidates and some representatives and Personally, because I, I find politics fascinating from a personal perspective, but most people don't buy these books. They're shelfware. I mean, but he did publish a book, and it's going to he officially kicked off his presidency in Des Moines over June 7th. Now, political move, smart, go to Iowa. Every Republican candidate is, because they do need to win that state, and the Hawkeyes are the best. And he went to over Des Moines, and he, I mean, all of them go on this. So Trump, DeSantis, as well as Ramaswamy, they've all gone to that city in that state. So following suit makes sense to go there but you also have now there's this many people on the republican party running so you have donald trump ron DeSantis, nikki haley also known as diet hillary clinton you also have tim scott asa atchison viva Ramaswamy. now you have mike pence so it is good to have all of these options but it kind of is cliche to say not making enough waves but during his vice presidency he should really have four or five bullet points where you could say, I did that, I was here. Like, it is interesting for him to throw his hat in the ring. Time shall tell to see how successful he is, but it was strange. I, I don't see him getting a lot of traction, personally, in the primaries. But time shall tell, and now he's officially throwing his hat in the ring.
Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Boeing again. They have defects on their 787 Dreamliner. So this is yet again, another issue that's gonna cause delay on top of the ones that we reported on a couple weeks ago. So this is coming from Boeing. They said, quote, we are inspecting 787s in our inventory for a non-conforming condition related to the fitting of the horizontal stabilizer. Airplanes found with a non-conforming condition will be reworked prior to ticket and delivery, unquote. Now, this specific issue Boeing detected relates to a tiny spacing in the horizontal stabilizer. Boeing said that it isn't related to safety and that the planes in service can continue to operate. Near-term deliveries will be delayed by about two weeks. So they're very fortunate that this was not a catastrophic type of recall or an issue because the worst thing possible, which logically makes sense for an aviation company, is to have the planes grounded. Because not only are you not making money, you can't get those new ticket sales or those new sales if you're selling to customers such as American Airlines, Southwest Airlines. But you also have to pay to actually facilitate those planes. And those planes, as we all know, they're ginormous. So they have to pay for a warehouse to actually hold them, keep the warehouse conditioned safely, make sure the environment isn't too bad. And you have the safety inspections sheet that I can only assume is longer than a, in an old dictionary. So time shall tell to see how much money this costs them fiscally. Again, they're one of the largest defense contractors out there. They have a very long reputation. This is going to, by no means going to put them out of business. But there is unprecedented competition internationally from Airbus and other aerospace manufacturers for these planes. Time shall tell to see how many business blunders it might take to start chiseling away more at those traditional airline sales as again, you have more and more competition. But needless to say, that's got to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Each one of those things greatly helps the channel out. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.